It's my pleasure to introduce Steve Doty. And uh, I think Steve Doty is probably one of the greatest preachers that I've known, ever. You know why I think that? I think you know why I think that. Because number one, he's sincere. Number two, he's honest. He's genuine, honest, and one more, he's humble. How many would agree with that? Yeah. Let's give it up for Steve Doty. Also, his swagger. That's got to be it, too. <laughs> All right, everybody. Good afternoon. You're going to have to tell me about my time. Jeremy just told me I'm 16 minutes. Is that about right? <laughs> okay, guys. Uh, you know, this has really been great, really. <clears throat> I kind of consider myself the last speaker, even though I know that Phil is going to finish this off tonight at Pleasant Hill. Um, I don't know that I've ever actually been the last speaker, but this I like this. Because um, I may end up taking my notes, my hieroglyphics, if you ever see my notes, they look like hieroglyphics, arrows and squiggles and circles and that's how I do it. Uh, I can't write it down and, and, and do it that way and I, I usually end up out there. But I won't throw them in the fire but I want to build on a, a couple of things. One of the things after all these messages that really came clear to me, great theme Great messages. But because we're going to leave from here, you know, going back to our lives, some will still, like I said, be together one more time, but I'm sure some actually have to go home, get on the road. Uh, but we need to go from here and really make it real and relevant. And so I want to take this opportunity to try to do that. I want to pick up on something that Brian Bragg, you know, when he was speaking, really, really hit me. First off, I love listening to these cops. You know what I mean? Because they do deal with the dark side on a regular basis that some only read about in the newspapers. Now, I had some years in emergency services with fire rescue type of stuff, military type of stuff. So I do understand, we do need to make the scripture real and relevant, but some people, whether they work in emergency rooms, you know, medical people, and like I said, the guys that are out there on the front line, it is real to them. And I really love it when they can wrap scriptures around those experiences. Now that doesn't mean that people don't live on the edge flying down the road at a hundred miles an hour, their hair on fire, can't really make this real. We all can, but sometimes it has to be pointed out to us because I'll guarantee you what, everybody in this room is going through stuff. It's a human thing. That's not where you live. It's, you know, you live in this, like, south side Chicago, where you hear about 100 people shot every weekend, 
or maybe in a war zone like Ukraine before you can make it real and relevant and, and uh, have to really struggle, man. No, there's people ready to jump out windows or commit suicide or destroying their lives with their behaviors who don't know what they're doing. They're hurt. So one of the things that Brian said I want to pick up on right now, I really appreciated his lesson. It was right on. And I really appreciated how he was ending. He wanted to hear that, well done. Now, my task... I'm supposed to be speaking on victory that overcomes the world, and I will, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> and I appreciated what Brian said. That's what we want to hear. Well done. But what I really appreciated what he said was just near the end, he was talking about he was on some traffic stop, and in the dark he heard a voice. Brian Berg, you know, somebody hollering at him in the dark and trying to figure out who that is. And he looks and he sees this guy, a, a former addict or whatever that he had arrested previously, because he shared how sometimes he liked to talk to people when he had his little captive audiences. Tried to be careful, but let to try to cause that person to to understand he has intrinsic value. He's a human. Making a lot of bad decisions. And the dude said to him, four days, man. Think about that for a minute. What did he really say that he had? I had victory. Four days. Why didn't the guy say, hey man, I'm doing better? Why did he holler out four days? Because he, he had a victory on day one. He had a victory on day two. Made it all the way to day four. That's how he was seeing himself now. That it was every day now. But victory. Again, I appreciate the way Brian brought it up. I want to hear well done, good and faithful servant too at the end. But you know what? We can hear that every day. And we should. Because we need to make it real and relevant now. Don't put it out to the future. Because this world is heavy, man. It will sit right on you like an elephant. Everybody's going through stuff. We'll get distracted if we get caught up. If we go from here, after hearing everything we've heard, and pretty soon this fades in the rear view mirror, in your life you go back to whatever. I appreciate what uh, Kurt was saying this morning, Heimball. Pay attention to the evil and what's going on in the pool of this world, to the flesh. Little leaven, leaven the whole lump. It won't take long. The devil don't have to come right in your face with some totally gross 
perverted immorality. Hey, Christian, what do you think of this? You'd go, man, get that out of my face. That's not how he's going to come to you. He's going to come to you in sheep's clothing. He's going to come to you as an angel of light. His ministers may very well be ministers of righteousness. Hosanna shall be according to their deeds. He said, you'll know him. You better be, we have to pay attention, see. We have to pay attention. We need to get every bit of this that we can and take every victory and hold on to it. You know, I know when I went through the Marine Corps boot camp back in the day when they were doing things that wasn't legal. They told us it wouldn't be legal. We were beaten, knocked down, kicked. We only graduated half of what we started. Like we had like 76, we graduated like 30. <clears throat> I didn't even know my name by the time we got out of there. But I talk about that. I really appreciate and respect the people that have gone through such things as, say, special forces. And I was reading about some of the SEALs, Navy SEALs. They're tough dudes, man. Very few people can make that great. But one of the things that really stood out to me reading about what they were going through, very few people can do this. Uh, it's really incredible. It's mental too, by the way. Let me make that point. They got a lot of dudes that go in there got muscles, man. You're not going to get through that with muscles and you're not going to get through this with your muscles. You're going to do this by faith, the faith that overcome the world. Or you're not going to do it at all. So it's not going to be your muscles. And don't make the mistake of trying to use mental muscles. In other words, what I mean by that, trying harder. Trying harder. It's about believing more. It's about believing more. I think of this scripture that Jesus said in John 16 and 12. At the end of his life. With these guys, his apostles, he said, I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear it yet. You cannot bear it now. I was like, what in the world were they doing for the last three years? Around the campfires, walking down the road, talking sports or something? <laughs> they didn't have capacity yet. He said, you can't bear it yet. So we have to increase our capacity. That's what believing more is all about, is expanding the fabric of our mind. That's what God can do. You've got a full plate up here. Everybody does. Nature abhors a vacuum. Even kids, their head is full, full of nutty stuff, but it's full. And when you come to full age, age of accountability, and you're going through stuff, and pretty soon you start having those thoughts about God and Wondering what, you know, what's this all about? Why am I here? And, you know, if they're associated with, you know, got Christian parents or something, that's going to be very helpful. But some don't have nothing and nobody. I didn't. But I also know that God, who looks down from heaven, searches the hearts. And Jesus said, no one can come to me unless my Father draw them. There's a dynamic that's working that God will seek and save the lost as well on that dark and cloudy day when no one else is doing it he said i'll come do it myself 
And he did in the person of Jesus, for sure. But still to this day, he draws people. Stuff is happening. I can't remember who just got done saying it. But the way, I guess it was Brian Bragg again, the way that it all came together, even after a 15-year gap of when he probably didn't have any idea where Bill was even at anymore, but found a number, called him, and he shared his story. we got to build that capacity. Now, every one of us, he calls us individually. He fashions the hearts individually. And he understands our ways. And he cares about us too, by the way. And based on, like, again, I'm trying to think of who was sharing there, about, I guess it was Kurt, God hates the evil, but he doesn't hate the man. Why? John 3, 16, God so loved the world. Aren't these people sinners? Didn't it say in, in Romans chapter 5 that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners? Guess he didn't hate us too bad. Didn't really like what we were doing. So yeah, but he calls us out of the darkness and into the light because he knows our potential because he made us. He made all people. And when he looks down from heaven and sees all the sons of men, he sees the African, the Asian, the European, the Russian, the American. He sees all the people. In this book, when it was printed and God said, send it, print it, go. America didn't even exist. This is for all people, for all time. But we need to make it real and relevant. Whoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcome the world, our faith. Our faith. Now the faith he's talking about is the faith that will expand our minds. He doesn't change what happened to you. If it happened, it happened. A whole lot of people have had some really bad things. They've had tough times. And many, many people don't deal with it. They kill themselves. I mean, let's just be, you know, that's how tough it is down here. And everybody is going through something. In fact, they're not just going through something. They're going through many things. This faith that can overcome this darkness, this world, has already been well brought out. God provided the information to expand our minds because we're made for this, to bring us through this darkness and actually take us and transform us into his very likeness. Jesus said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Look, he looks Jewish. No, he doesn't look, God doesn't look Jewish. Same character. And that's what Romans 8, 29 tells us. Those whom God foreknew, he predestined, they would be conformed to the image of the Son, the character of the Son. That he, that he, Jesus, would be the firstborn of many, just like him. That's our potential. That's the potential of all people. 
But we need to realize that God fully intends to bless us in the here and the now, right now, today. I was going to finish my story about the seals. What the guy said, what they go through is so intense. And some guys, they can't get through like that final mile of the way, the hell week. And after all they've been through, you know, I guess to end it for themselves, they're able to go up and there's a bell. And they can walk up to that bell, they take off their helmet, they put it down, ding, they ring the bell, they walk away, no shame. But what some of the other guys said that were going through that, man, why did he quit? And they think about it, they go, yeah, today was really bad, but it was the same as yesterday. He didn't quit yesterday, because it was their buddies. They've been going through this together. No one wants to see anyone broken and quit. And they're trying to understand, man, we were almost through it, why did he quit? Because the day before was just the same and the day before that. Sometimes we get weary in well-doing. We get discouraged along the way. Begin to complain, moan, and groan. And you self-defeat. We self-defeat. We have to keep this real and relevant and hot right, on, right on, the, on the stove right in front of us, man. Every day. Like that addict that cried out, four days, bro. Hopefully he got day five, day six. You know, he could. I mean that. He could. Just like Brian told him. He really could. He had value. Every single human being you see has that intrinsic value because they are created and they are made for this. Whether they know it or not. They can know it. Another thing the Navy SEAL instructor said, you know what, we can't produce this in people. He said, we can't produce it. The, the instructors are like our drill instructors. You can wind them up and watch them thump, man, but uh, they couldn't get you through it. In fact, they did everything they could to break you because you needed to know. What do you, what Peter say the fiery trials are for? He said it's to test and see the genuineness of your faith. God isn't trying to kill you. He's trying to save you. Does God know what your potential is? Does he know? Yes. Well, then why do I have to be tested and tried See the genuineness of my faith. Doesn't he already know? Yes, he knows. But he wants you to know and me to know. That's who the information is for. It's not for God. He already knows. He knows you can make it. He made you for it. We gotta see ourselves that way. We are more than conquerors. More than conquerors. I mean, you talk about it, well, I can just look at it real quick here in Romans chapter 8. When Paul talks about what they're going to face, Matt Hartford shared at our family camp back in Michigan, I think it was last year, that who this is written to within, what, six or eight years, Nero would be burning them alive at candlesticks at his garden parties. Who, 
Who shall set, who will bring a charge against God's elect? I'm just looking at verse 33. It's God who justified. Who is he who condemns? It's Christ who died, furthermore is risen. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also make intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? How about some tribulation? Hey, maybe some distress. Persecution? How about some famine? Nakedness, peril, or sore? It's written, for your sake, all down, or killed. All day long, counted like sheep for the slaughter. Yet no, in all these things, more than conquerors, through him who loved us. Paul said, I am emperor's weighty, that neither death, life, angels, principalities, powers, things present, things to come, no height, death, or any other created thing, which is just about cover it, shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. It can get really bad out there. And really bad in here. You know, I've shared before, you know, I grew up in, I guess, middle America. You know the story, my mom kept me up with her one night because she couldn't handle her life anymore. Was feeding, giving me something to drink and about midnight, I'm six years old, tells me to go to bed and I, you know, for my old man would come home, come home drunk and beating on her. And as I, I go to bed, she takes out a gun and she shoots herself and kills herself right there. She lived in America. Hey, some people think their hope in this world is get to America, man. Where's Americans supposed to go? The moon? It's not where you're at. Your physical location has nothing to do with it. It's happening in here. She could not deal with her life anymore. Our basic needs were met. You know, we didn't live in the Soviet Union or in China or somewhere. She lived in America. But couldn't deal with it and killed herself at 30 years old. People are going through stuff. That Navy SEAL instructor said, we can't produce it, we reveal it. God reveals it, but he ain't going to produce it. He gives you everything that pertains unto life and godliness. All of us have that potential. We got to believe that, and we got to believe it today and tomorrow. Don't look, don't put that down the road. Don't look at that in the future tense. All the scriptures, all the things that have been said here are real and relevant and great messages. Listen to them over and over again. But make it today. And know that that's tomorrow too. Like the guy hollering out, hey, Brian. He was pretty excited. He had four days. We have every day for the rest of our life to see ourselves as more than conquerors and be doing it now because we're made for this stuff. When you can internalize that, when that capacity is opened up, the length of breadth and the height and the depth in your individual life has already been brought out, Matt Parsley really bringing it out. You know, some of these people that think, you know, where it's at is, 
you know, whatever things of the world, all this education, all this stuff. No, no, no. Come all the way back down to the basics of what you were created for, and that's to be conformed to the image of the Son of God. You are going to have quality of life, and if you delight in the law of the Lord, you meditate it on day and night, you're going to be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. You're going to bring forth your fruit in your season, and your leaf will not wither, and whatever you do, you're going to prosper because God is going to be with you. You will be successful. It may not translate into millions of dollars, but you will be successful in your personal life. You will have joy and peace in believing. You will be abounding in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's written also to these Romans who would be literally Roman candles very soon. And that's why they were being encouraged. You know, I don't know what's going to happen here. It doesn't matter. If you're in the kingdom now, that's all that matters. But grow, we need to be growing here. Now, for that quality of life that God intended for you today and tomorrow. If you don't have it today and you don't have it tomorrow and you think, well, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm working on it. No, you're not. We have got to make it real and relevant now because if you don't have it today, that was because of your choice is. God has already decided. And if you are a born-again Christian, if you have been born of God, that First John 5 passage said, that means born again, you have the potential now. Don't get me wrong. It depends, of course. The metaphor of Scripture also teaches us you have to grow you know, if you've just immersed yesterday, obviously you're not going to have all the fruit of the Spirit popping out of you yet. But if you've been in for years and you still don't have this, okay, we're talking to you now. Let me share. This happened to me in Belarus some years ago. I know the people struggle over there. They weren't getting a lot of super great teaching. And obviously, you know, Bill goes once in a while. I'm there once in a while. Matt's been there. You know, Parsley. But we don't live over there. Actually, with some of this new technology, now we're staying a lot more connected because it's quite amazing, actually, this Zoom. But I had this interpreter, Susha. I probably maybe even shared this before. So we were doing an in-house Bible study. We had a nice group of people in there. And... Susha, you know, I've known her for years, and she's been a Christian for some years, but I know she struggled. She was going through stuff. Her life was hard, like a lot of people. So she was interpreting, you know, we're going along. And uh, I was getting near the end of the Bible study, and I wanted to close with Romans uh, 15, 13. And I was doing this on purpose, too, by the way, and I'm actually doing it on purpose right now. I wanted to end with this passage in Romans 15, 13 to the group. I said, now, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy, all peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Wow. So I said, let me unpackage that a little bit. Look what he's saying. A God of hope filled you. I said, man, if God fills you with anything, it'd be a lot. Even cotton candy. It'd go over 
do good, but they didn't know what cotton candy was. But <laughs> can you imagine a human being anywhere on this planet if he could be filled with all joy? That'd probably be enough right there. But he doesn't stop there. And peace. You want peace? The peace that passes understanding? Now remember, this is not written to middle class people that basically have their needs met that are complaining about the price of gas or having a bad hair day. This is written to people that are going to be unbelievably persecuted and slaughtered. That bulletin board of mine back there is active. We are in constant contact with Ukrainians. I'm getting messages, man, as Jim Spinotti would say, would bring tears to glass eyes of what people are suffering. Right now, as we speak, Myanmar as well, same thing. But guess what? I've already said this. Don't think I'm talking about you have to be in a foreign field. I'm talking about right here, right now, because we're talking about human beings. Some of those other things just seem to make it more graphic and real and in your face. But how would you like to live in some of these other... I mean, it, it can be anywhere. Chicago, Southside Chicago, that's just another graphic example. But that's going on right here in Eugene or Springfield. Get these cops up here asking. What's happening in your own neighborhood? What they deal with. The sex molestation and families and violence and drug addiction and murder. You don't have to go to some foreign country to see that. That is a human condition. That is a human condition. So, I'm saying this, I'm wrapping up this Bible study in Belarus, talking to these people that I know that are hurting, especially my interpreter, Susha, and how the God of peace can fill you with all joy and peace. The operative word there, though, is in believing. Ooh, that's our part, right? That you may abound. He didn't say just hope, have hope. Abound in hope. By the power of what? The Holy Spirit. It's divine. In other words, it ain't coming from you. It's coming from God. Jesus said all things are possible to God, right? You don't have to manufacture that. You can't buy it. All these people, all that money. All that fame and fortune, they can't buy it. Don't you think that's actually what they're looking for when they got all that money and they're trying to create a paradise, a utopia here on earth? Why? Because they're not filled with joy. They're not full of peace. They have no hope and they're trying to buy it. Money don't buy this. But notice again, the operative word was in believing. In believing, that is what the faith, the victory that overcome the world is our faith. Because that's the believing part, right? Sometimes people use that as a synonymously, you know. I'm a believer, you know, or believing or have faith. is belief. So I really worked that verse over. And guess who had to interpret that? Well, Susha speaks Russian, because she speaks English. 
So that's really good because they got to take it in from my language, which they understand. Then they got to rework this baby in their own native language and then spit it out. So they're really getting a good double whammy here. And then we close the prayer. And the people got up and they started getting the, the, the snacks and the coffee going and the little fellowship. And I'm sitting there and Susha's sitting next to me. She don't get up. She sits there. Then she finally says, you know, according to that verse, she said, you know, I'm an unbeliever. And I act surprised. Why you say that, Susha? She said, I don't have no joy. I don't have no peace. I knew it. That's why I did that. And I said, well, you said so, so why don't you? Susha says, well, I don't know. Why don't I? I said, well, maybe we ought to look at that uh, in believing. Maybe we better focus on that. You know, sometimes you got to get people lost before they can be found. You know what I'm saying? Because I put it to you that way and I say it that way because that does apply to you and me today in light of everything we've heard this weekend. If you are not being filled right now, and you've been in the Lord, let's just say if you've been in the Lord for, I don't know, I'm not going to put a, a limit on it. I mean, if you got baptized last night, I get it. You don't have that. Because you have to grow. You have to go from milk to meat. Okay, all right. But if you've been in for years and you still don't have this, you haven't made it real or relevant yet, you're really not believing what you're hearing. Because all that comes from God. And if you ain't getting it, there's one of two things. Something's missing. One of two things. One, and I'm not trying to get everybody worried about their conversion, but you might want to consider, I talked to a guy one time who was really, you know, said, man, I'm getting it, man, I'm seeing what you're seeing. And, you know, he was a transplant, came from somewhere else. Uh, so I really didn't know about when he was first converted or baptized or anything. And because he said, I'm really, I'm trying, man, but it, this isn't working for me. So, and he was old, you know, mid, I don't know, close to 40 or something. I said, well, tell me about your conversion, man. Well, he said, well, you know, my wife got into it, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they put the pressure on me. And he said, so I finally agreed to get baptized because the old lady wanted me to. And, you know, and then I, I said, okay, let me get this straight. And Peter said unto them, repent and be immersed, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, because your old lady wants you to, and you shall. I said, no. Maybe not. If you got immersed because the old lady wanted you to, or why, you know, one guy told me, well, I got baptized when I was eight years old. He said, I don't think it worked because I was going over all this stuff in a, in a study. I just assumed he was a Christian. In fact, he was a preacher. All of a sudden, he blurted that out. I got baptized when I was eight years old. I don't think it worked or took. I'm like, Oh, boy. We didn't blow a trumpet, but it took him to the water. You understand what I'm saying? Because if there was any question at all, because here's the deal. God isn't going to put a Holy Spirit in an unclean vessel. 
You can't accept Jesus in your heart going down the road someday or got baptized over there somewhere, kids camp or something, you know, and never did nothing with it. And then 20 years later, you're wondering why. I don't have that. I don't have that. I don't have no joy, no peace. I'm trying, but it's not working for me. So to eliminate any possibility that he didn't have the Spirit, I said, well, you convicted now? Yes. Off to the water we did. I said, okay, now it's up to you because God is faithful. God is faithful. And if you're not getting results, I said, just keep an eye now. Really, you know, start, get focused here and start doing what he says to do because this comes from God. This is not, you don't manufacture the joy. You don't manufacture the peace and you can't buy it somewhere or people with a lot of money would have did it. It's going to be in believing. But God is able to open the eyes of your understanding to give you the capacity. Your mind is to be set on things above, not on things of the earth. That's your choice. Where you set your mind is your choice. Think about that. Pay attention. If you don't have that joy and peace and you have no, you have all the confidence in the world that your initial conversion, look at those Corinthians. Don't you think they were taught, right? <laughs> They're taught by the Apostle Paul. He makes that point. But what were they still doing? He saw the evidence of their carnal-mindedness and described division. He said, you're walking around like mere men, unregenerated men. He's rebuking them, rightly so. They didn't have the fruit of the Spirit because they were totally apathetic or indifferent and carnal-minded and just carrying on. So he chewed them out. Chewed them out. They deserved it. So the problem wasn't God's fault, it was their fault. Now he didn't tell them, I think y'all need to get baptized again. He didn't tell them that either. He told them to repent, basically. Simon the sorcerer, same way. Simon believed, was baptized. But he tried to buy, you know, get that extra gift of the Holy Spirit. They, you know, do some miracles, you know, uh, offered some money. Peter said, your money perish with you. You need to repent. Your heart ain't right. Didn't tell him, I don't think your baptism work. I'm just saying. Because when it comes to forgiveness of sins and gift of the Holy Spirit, which is being born again, those born of God can overcome in this world because that born again, born of God, of the forgiveness of sins and gift of the Holy Spirit is not perceived with five senses. You can't see it, taste it, touch it, smell it, hear it. But there is evidence that you have been forgiven. And it's going to be. Remember what it says with the man they brought him through the roof, the, the roof, the roof off the house and dropped him in Jesus' presence? He saw the faith. Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. Oh, thanks, Lord. You know, laying on a pallet. He actually tells them the good news first. Others said, man, blaspheme. No one can forgive sins but God. And so he said, so that you may know that the Son of Man had power on earth to forgive sin. See, they couldn't see that. They couldn't see his sins forgiven. They heard Jesus tell them his sins were forgiven before they really 
Is there any tangible evidence of this fact that his sins are forgiven? He said, take up your bed and walk. And that guy got up, man. Whoa, man, they saw that. That was tangible. And if that is true, that means what he said to the guy was true. If he could do that, he did that. Well, you have the same evidence in your own life. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. It's not the fruit of you trying harder to keep rules and regulations. That's the faith that can overcome. The faith that can overcome the world. Because putting off that old man by being renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on now that new man created according to God and true righteousness and holiness, that ain't happening unless the Holy Spirit is working through your faith. You actually end up, we end up with tangible evidence that I'm forgiven because I have the fruit of the Spirit that is not produced by law. You have to be born again to have that. And if you have that, you will be filled with all joy and peace because of your faith. And you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me make some quick points here. I want to give you a couple extreme examples. Because see, we cannot keep this knowledge under a bushel. We cannot keep it just in the confines of this room. This has to go. And guess how it's going to go? It's going to go by you and me and anyone else out there that actually has this information and believes it. And there are others, and you know that because you come from some of those various congregations that are tracking with this stuff. Okay? Now, I'm not talking to... I mean, half, the churches of Christ that we might feel affiliated with for sure, but half of them don't believe this. They would fight everything that's been said here this weekend. God's people. Well, guess who didn't believe it when you read your New Testament? God's people. There was no denominations in this book not in the New Testament. They were all Church of Christ people, if you understand what I'm saying. There was none of that denominational flavors all in that stuff. And guess who was opposing it? Just like the Jews did at the first. The Christians did it, opposed it. So they still would do that. But where you're concerned, where I'm concerned, we have a potential to take this out to change the lives of people. Now here, I'm going to give you an extreme example. It's actually real. But then again, don't forget, you've got to apply it here and now. Let's call this the green tree. This might still be the green tree. Getting a little shaky. What do I mean by green tree? Things are still basically okay. We have our needs met. And even still, basically, freedoms. Not tyranny yet. Soft tyranny, maybe. But hard tyranny won't comes right on behind it eventually and some people already live in the hard tyranny and they're terrified of what's going on let me use an extreme example and make a, a point I appreciated one of the well I don't know maybe it was Bill talking about in today's world 
you might have to have a mindset, especially if you're a con concealed carry or maybe open carry, I don't know. If all of a sudden you're at the mall and you hear, you know, shots and people yelling or screaming, you already have it in your mind what you're going to do. I'm going to run to the sound of the shots. You know what I mean? That fear thing, that was the theme of the camp, talking about, you know, the fears and overcoming fears. It's not a natural thing to do. You have to be trained to do that. Obviously, police officers are trained to do that. But other people have responded and dealt with that situation, too, because they, they had a mindset to do that. Okay. Let me give you another scenario, though, for you to think about, because we need this right now. People do. Christians. You know, we are God's hands and feet, right? We are the ones. Ones are supposed to carry. That's why we come together to get this into our understanding, our faith to overcome the world, not only for ourselves, but to help other people. Got people you know and you care about. Don't you want it for them? Well, of course. This is the only way it's going to be done, though. And it's only this message, the messages that we've heard, the Word of God rightly divided and unpackaged. This is what we have to take. Now, here's the scenario. When I went to Kosovo 20 years ago, right after the war, and all this devastation had gone on, houses were burned for miles. Uh, uh, the UN statistics said they raped 23,000 women, the Serbs did, gang rapes and all that, young and old, because they used it as a weapon of war. Okay, uh, thousands missing. Ch uh, mothers, uh, I talked to a woman, happened to her, her son was shot in her arms. Now, he wasn't a little kid. He was older. The Serbs were trying to separate the men and the women uh, as they were dragging them out of their houses and setting their houses on fire. She wouldn't let go of her son. She said, I knew they, they're trying to pull him away. They're pulling the men away, and I wouldn't let go of him. And they hit me in the face with a rifle. Bam! Get back, you old bag, you know, or whatever. She jumped back up and grabbed her son, wouldn't let go of him, so they blew him away right in her arms. Now, he was 30 years old, but that was her son. Okay, then later they, they made the women and the kids walk with the Serbian convoys because NATO was flying overhead, but NATO wouldn't bomb the Serbian convoys because they were using women and kids as shields. Then after they get to all the way to the border, she eventually was able to get back to her, her house in Mitrovic. It was burned. But she got up, you know, they, they build them on a concrete block and they got these tile roofs, but it burns the, you know, the, the, the contents. So it was a mess. She said the Serbian police showed up, wanted to know where my other sons were at. She said, I don't know where they're at. They beat me up, she said, and they threw me out the second story window. She wasn't, she was kind of a big lady and that had to be hard hitting that ground down. They threw her out the window. Java Duraco, my contact, took me to a graveyard, and in that graveyard were 16 in a row of Duraco, 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 16 members of his extended family. He took me to his sister-in-law's house, Tapas Burns. His brother, her husband, she was telling us what happened. We heard that these things were happening, couldn't believe it. Our Serbian neighbors said, don't worry, don't run, you're our neighbors, we've been... Because they all lived together, Serbians and Albanians, until this happened. 
The Serbian neighbors said, we'll protect you, you won't let them. They couldn't protect them, they had no weapons. The mercenaries and the paramilitary showed up. They dragged her husband out of the house and her son that was at home. She said they shot them, burned their bodies over there. Now I'm out in her yard, she had a little table, she was feeding us or giving us a little juice to drink. I'm looking at this woman and she's got this thousand yard stare. And with that quiet, soft voice that she's holding a photo album and showed me pictures of her family. Her, her husband was a school teacher and a coach. Just normal pictures, like birthday. So all she had was this album. I'm looking at this burned house. She has a thousand yards there. The more she talked, I felt myself being crushed under a weight. And I'm like, how is this woman? And it's taboo, they don't talk about it, but I know she was assaulted like all the other women, probably a gangbang. And I realized I got a Bible back in my room, because I didn't take it, I wasn't a, but guess what? Here's my point for all of us, that's real. What are you going to say to somebody that just got done telling you that that's their life? In light of this fact that the God of hope can fill them with all joy and peace and believing that they can abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit, that they could actually have a good day again? I mean, what are people like that supposed to do? Does God look down from heaven and see that situation? He's, you know, he obviously allowed it. Because, you know, that's what the atheist says. Where's your God, man? You realize they're doing that to kid, what they did to the kids? Where's your God, man? Was he, was he sit up there? Is that what he's doing? He's sitting there? Where's your all-powerful God, man? They think they got the argument. So when I'm listening to this woman, I'm feeling this weight coming down on me. So it's crushing me in this plastic chair I'm sitting in. What am I supposed to say to her? Jesus loves you? Seriously? Moderate Muslim culture already? I'm supposed to say, Jesus loves you? No. First off, if you're ever in that situation and somebody is unpackaging their life for you and you think, I can't even imagine how this person has been through that and you start to realize, I don't know what to say. Good. Don't say nothing. This ain't the time to say anything. Listen. Listen. Don't start telling them all the things you, you know, you're about. No, don't say nothing. There'll be a time. It's like trying to talk to somebody that's under the influence. Maybe you've had that experience. If they're drunk and they, you know, they want to talk about God, you know, they call you to come over and you go over there. Realize this, you're going to have to wait. Talk, you let, it, you know, let them talk, listen. You're going to have to come back, though. You're not going to be able to talk to them in that condition. Not seriously. 
there's a time for the grieving, but my point is this gospel is made for that woman. Yes, she can have a good day again. She can have joy. She can have peace. She's made for it, and God was allowing, as he does with this world and all the tragedies going on, like I said with Ukraine right now, stories after stories of those kinds of abuses, the rapes, all the stuff that's going on, the missing. That darkness is great. But this scripture teaches us that the light that came into this world is greater than that darkness, and that's why God can allow the darkness. Because, oh, he could have stopped it. He could stop anything he wants. He allows it because the light is greater, but that light has to be unpackaged. The darkness is easy to see. Gee whiz, anybody can see that. But the light has to be unpackaged. Now, who's going to unpackage that for these people? You are. And so am I. When I heard about this statistic of 23,000 by the UN, and those great, a lot of, there's groups of the women meeting secretly, like AA kind of meetings, you know, with other women that have suffered that. Some of these women, they were assaulted right in front of their families. And when it was over and the Serbs left, they kicked the woman out of their house. You got two cultures, kind of, so to speak. You got their Albanians and moderate Muslims. This woman is unclean to the max, right? She had to be kicked out. And she's like, what did I do? So they kick her out. Some of those women, where the rape was not witnessed, got married later. Now they live in absolute fear. If their husband ever finds out that they were assaulted and never said nothing, he will kill her. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. They told me that. I'm not making that up. That's what I was told. Then I found, we were trying to find, how could we connect with an underground group? Because this was really bugging me that any human being on this earth has no hope. The only hope any human being has on this entire planet, Africans, Asians, Russians, Americans, is knowing what this book says. But it has to be delivered, has to be shared, it has to be unpackaged. You, we just can't send people to go to church somewhere Jesus loves you, hear the Bible, go to church. You think that's going to transform that individual? No, it's not. That's how real this gets. Well, first off, it has to be real for you and me. How in the world? You can't share what you don't know, can't give what you don't have, but if we know it and we have it, we're under an obligation. You don't have to go overseas. I'm using that as an extreme example. You can go right here. We should, we must, and in fact, we should want to. Because, man, we are pumped up because we see it and we believe it and we can achieve this, and so will any, can anyone else who hears us. 
I finally found a lady that had contact with an underground group of women like that. She said she, she had access to 300. Now I realized, you know, they're not going to necessarily want to talk to a man, especially maybe a foreigner, but we need women involved. And so working through this woman, her name, she said, call me Becky. It's Balazia. There's a Protestant church in Pristina. I don't have no idea. They're not a mainstream. I don't know what they are. But they like me. And the preacher is her husband. But see, I wanted to talk to Becky about this group of women, and I met with her through another lady that made the contact. Now, this is a super nice lady, because she said, except but for the grace of God, she wanted to be involved helping these women, because she said that would have been her. She told me the story. She said, I was a school teacher. And I was going, she's kind of a pretty lady. She was on her way to go to her school. And back then the Serbs were shutting down any schools for Albanian kids. But she was determined she was going to go to her school. And as she was going by this house, one of her students said, Teacher, teacher, don't go to the school. She said, I'm going to the school. So she goes, it's locked. She thought, well, I guess I'm not going to the school. So she turned around and was heading back to her home, and she was deep in thought about this whole thing. And as she was walking, all of a sudden she's in town, and she looks, she's got to walk across the footbridge. And the bus stop was on the other side. And when she looked up, that whole footbridge was full of Serbian soldiers. And you know how it is sometimes if you, you're walking or whatever, and all of a sudden you see a dog? And the dog is looking at you. And your first thought is, you don't want to run, right? Because what happens if you run? The dog might chase you. So she said, I was walking, and I saw those Serbian soldiers, and I didn't know what to do. It was too late. They could see her coming. She said, I tried to just act normal. And she said, I prayed, God help me. <clears throat> the bus was stopped. And all these faces of people in the bus were looking at her through the window. She walked right towards that group of Serbian soldiers. They were actually just standing there talking, smoking cigarettes, you know. They weren't like all waiting for her. They were just standing there. <clears throat> she said, I walked right through the middle of them on that bridge. And I got on that bus, and she said, everybody in that bus said, how did you do that? She said, God was with me. So she told me why she wanted to be involved. She met a woman that could get her to those groups. And the woman wanted to talk to her. And the woman said to her, why do you want to help? Becky said, I knew this was the moment of truth. Remember, these are Muslims. <clears throat> the woman says, why do you want to help? She said, are you a church? And Becky said, yes, I am a church. She was expecting the woman to say, get away from us. Now think about this. Java Duraco told me, all these atrocities, Java said they cut some of the people's heads off, put bloody crosses on their houses. Why? The Serbs are Orthodox. What do the Muslims call them? Christians. 
That's how they relate. The Serbian paramilitary and mercenaries that did that are considered Christians by the Muslim population. So all these women been assaulted, they was assaulted by Christians. I told Jabba, them ain't Christians, Jabba. He said, well, yes, Mr. Steve. Like, what else would they be? I said, they're not Christians. Christians don't go around cutting people's heads off. <clears throat> so when that woman asked Becky, are you a church? She thought the woman would tell her, you get away from us. But the woman said, you could help us because she was a believer too. So Becky's telling me, she says, so I've tried to help them. She said, I get them some sewing machines and I get them some chickens. And I'm like, that's nice. We've got this with all this power. This message is 2,000 years old. Changing lives all over the world in truth. But yet there's so much professed Christianity, including people cutting people's heads off. They have no idea what's in this book. And nor does Becky or her husband, he's the preacher. Her attempts to help them is to get sewing machines to empower them for little business things or chickens. I'm about ready to jump right out of my skin. I go, that's nice. I said, but you know, too, you know, we get it. What they really need, you know, is they got to understand, you know, that God has allowed things, bad things, because the light is greater. And here's the deal, that God calls people from the darkness, that people can come out of that darkness and into the marvelous light, and they actually can start to live empowered lives. Because, see, God doesn't change what happened to them but what God can do, and this is what God does, he opens our minds, he get, expands our view. We don't have to look through life like looking through a straw and all we see is the bad. God can open our understanding and blow our horizon out there that even though they've been through things that they've suffered like that, that's not the end of them. <clears throat> I got on a roll, as you might imagine, and some of these other guys have really get emotional bringing that out to make the, the Becky is looking at me and she's got this smile on her face and her eyes are just fixed. The woman that took me to her said later, she said, you know what she said after you left? She said, I feel like I've known Steve Doty all my life. Because, you know, when she received the word which she heard from me, she didn't receive it as the word of men, but she received it as it is in truth, the word of God. The picture I was painting for her was the word of God. And she's a, a dear lady. I mean, I don't know all about, I mean, she's really good-hearted. And she wants to help. I know I've used this illustration before. I tell the people in Belarus, they got beautiful parks. That's part of the Soviet system. They don't want you going to church. They want you to go to the opera, go to parks, or go listen to classical music if you're having a bad day. You don't need this myth, this foolish myth of God. So I use that example of their beautiful parks. I said, look, if you're walking through the park, but you're looking through a straw or walking around out here. If you're looking through a straw, you're 
this in the big picture out here. There's a lot of beauty out there. If you're walking through life, looking through a straw, what you may see may be accurate, but it certainly ain't the whole picture. And if all you can see is the bad, Becky said some of these women, and I don't know if she realized she was quoting the scripture, she said, they die daily. Why? Because they recycle through those bad things, those images of what happened to them over and over and over again. They can't see past it. And that's the way people are here too. They can't see past it. All they remember is how bad it was or what happened to them that God allowed. Well, how are they going to overcome that then? How are they going to be able, what is this faith thing that can overcome that? This is how God does it. That's why he does allow it, because the light is greater. So I told the Belarusian people, imagine you're walking through the park, and all you see is what the dog left in the park, the dog doo-doo. I said, look, if that's all you can see, that's not a very pretty picture. They get stuck a lot of that. I said, but well, wonder if you could expand the view. wonder if you opened up the view. And you begin to take in the, the rest of the park, the trees, the blue sky, the children, the old people walking, holding hands. Now, if you want to look down here in the corner where the dog doo-doo is, it's still in the picture. God doesn't change what happened to you. He obviously allowed it. But what he does when he opens the eyes of the understanding to the length, the breadth, and the height, and the depth, we rise above that transcendently, transcendent faith, which is above, apart, and independent of the material world. Abraham had transcendent faith. He didn't consider his own body already dead or the deadness of Sarah's womb. He didn't stagger at the promises of God in unbelief, but was fully persuaded that whatever God promised, he was able to perform and righteousness was imputed. And not only to Abraham, Paul said, it'll be to us too if we believe on the Lord Jesus whom God raised from the dead. Real, relevant, here, now, today. When Sushi said she had no joy and no peace after years in Christ, then what good was her faith? What good is this book if she's still walking around dragging her face in the dirt after 15 years in Christ? That isn't going to profit anybody anything. And that's why we don't see people don't, they're not embracing Christianity. Every statistic I see that people are walking away from anything that's church related in America anymore. And they long, the buildings in London, Alan Marshall will tell you, they're empty, man. Them great big state churches, you know, Church of England or whatever, you know, uh, Catholic, Orthodox, you know, they don't believe in that stuff anymore. I don't blame them. I don't believe in any either. It's in here. It's in here. I know I'm going to have to close it up. But everything I just said about Kosovo, we have our contact now. They don't need sewing machines and chickens. Those women need this. I have an opportunity to share at that church. Her husband's a nice guy. I was wanting to get to Becky first. Because if he didn't like what I was teaching or preaching, he might tell his wife, you stay away from him. But I know God is behind this. 
And another thing I was going to say, everything I just said about Kosovo is happening in real time right now in Ukraine. Yeah. Anya said, if you come here now, she said, you will have all kinds of missionary work to do. You remember how it said in Matthew chapter 9? Matthew chapter 9, remember what Jesus had said? He went through verse 35. He went through all the cities, all the villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. When he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary, scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, truly, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers into that harvest. You realize what Jesus just said? They're looking at this, this disaster of these people struggling, sick, diseased, hopeless, wandering around like sheep without a shepherd, and Jesus is saying, hey, look, guys, I got it ready for you. It's perfect. That's the field. It's perfect. They have no hope. They're wandering around, don't know what the heck they're doing. They're sick, spiritually and physically. Their life is a, a complete mess. It's all set for you. It's ready. That's what Jesus is saying. So pray to the Lord of the harvest to send people in there. It's all prepped for you now. You see, that's the way it's supposed to look. The buildings have burned in Ukraine. The power is out. People are freezing. They got little candles covered with blankets, got their families. I'm getting these reports every day. I know a lot of these people because we were going to Ukraine before the war. Then I was in the war came. She said, you come here now. We're going back to what I said earlier. We can't just show up with our leather-bound Bibles. Jesus loves you. That field is ready, but that is going to be work. We're going to have to listen first. This will take time. I'm 70 years old, gonna be 71 pretty soon. The Bible said three score and 10. If you're strong, 80. Okay, I get that. I'm totally cool with that. I don't know when the Lord's coming back and neither do you. We have a vehicle here. Bill Compton's been a part of it since the beginning. Matt Hartford, uh, others, Matt Parsley. Kind uh, of look out there. I don't remember all you guys that have been a part of this, but what I'm saying, that particular field, but we have the field right here as well. Wherever you live, wherever you came from, I want you to consider yourself that way. Be like Brian Bragg, buddy. Hey, 48 minutes. Victory now, today, victory tomorrow, victory the day after that. It's got to start with you and me first. You and me first. One more illustration and we'll close it up. I don't feel I'll watch anyone, one of you watching The Chosen. I think they do a real good job, plausible building out backstories of the life of Christ and that taking that gospel into the world. And you can see, like, like you're reading the Bible, I mean, the Bible's just, you know, it's the bare bones, man, but it's, it's sufficient to save our souls for sure, but sometimes I think God wants to flesh that out a little bit. 
We're trying to make this real. Everything we said today is real. Well, these were real people too, you know. Jesus literally walked through those places and they taught the people. They're just people like you and me. So I really like the scene in this chosen video. The apostles, he's picked them. They're walking around, you know, he's healing. All the stuff you read in the Bible. And it's, it's pretty exciting. The apostles are kind of basking in that light. It's great hanging around with Jesus and the people getting excited. Of course, it aggravates the heck out of the Jews and the Pharisees. You know, okay, so there's some tension there, but that's okay. But it really hit me in Matthew chapter 10, the way they depicted it. After they've been walking with Jesus and following him and learning and just, you know, dealing on the long road, they have to walk everywhere, you know, set up their little tents and all that. You know, the Bible don't put all that in there. We don't need all that information. But because that's real life, you know that's what they did. So he's going to send them out. He tells them in this little meeting they're having, all 12 of them were sitting there. Jesus said, I got some business to do in Nazareth. So I'm going to be gone for a few days. But, you know, all this teaching and, and healing... You know, they had no power to heal. They hadn't done it yet. He's going to do it right here. <laughs> he said, I can't do all this myself. So I have appointed you as my apostles. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to send you out two by two in every direction. Now imagine he's talking to you right now, today, us right here. This has all been great stuff. We're, we're enjoying the lessons. We're basking in the glow. And then all of a sudden he's telling them, I've, I've appointed you as my apostles, and I'm going to send you out this way, that way, in every direction. And as you go, I want you to preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I want you to heal the sick. I want you to cleanse the lepers. I want you to cast out deep. And he says, why are you looking at me that way? Because all 12 of them are like just staring at them with their mouths hanging open. So Jesus says, why are you looking at me that way? And the guy that plays James, the brother of John, he said, you're sending us out? And Matthew pipes up, well, that's what an apostle is. An apostle is one that said, he goes, James goes, I know what an apostle is. That's why I'm asking the question. He looks back at Jesus. You're going to send us out there? Yes. And, and they're like, you know, the questions start. Well, what are we supposed to say? I want you to preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And I want you, he's telling what he wants them to do. And they're going like, well, what, what are we supposed to say? He said, tell them what I've been telling you. And Nathaniel's sitting there. He said, did I miss a ceremony or something somewhere? <laughs> you know, Jesus said, no, this is it. He said, well, I don't feel anything. Like, like he had power to do miracles? Jesus said, I don't need you to feel anything to do great things for me. Now, the reason why I get a big chuckle out of this, I've been planning international trips for almost 30 years. I'll guarantee you what, if I was in that room, and the Lord tells me, Steve, 
I want you to go to Belarus, but don't take no clothes. Don't take no money. Don't take no charger for your cell phone. Don't take no cell phone. Don't take no Imodium or Pepto-Bismol. <laughs> you know, don't take your... Essentials. Yeah. Change your pants. That's exactly what he said to them that way. Provide neither gold nor silver nor copy for your money, no, no bag for your journey suitcase, no two tunics, no sandals, no staff, nothing. Nathaniel said, you're sending, let me get this straight. You want us to just go out there with the clothes on our backs? That's not in here. Brother, yes it is. These are real people. And this is exactly the way it went down. And don't think for one minute, they just said, oh, cool, yeah, okay, all right, Lord, I'll see you later. That would not have happened that way. I planned way too many trips to know. Logistically, man, there is so much planning that has to be done before we can go. It just has to be. Now, at the end of his life, he restates as he asked them, when I sent you out before, did you lack anything? And they said, no, Lord. He said, good. Well, now, take those tunics, get that suitcase, get your Pepto-Bismol, get your Imodium. Uh, we're going to do it the old-fashioned way. But he literally sent, that's the way he dispatched them the first time. And the look of shock a disbelief on their face because suddenly it was real. Brother, we need to make this real. We need to have that faith. If you're born of God, we need to have that faith, this faith, that literally overcomes the world. That is the victory that we all have now, but not the victory all at the far end. Again, back to Brian's guide. Victory today, Monday, victory on Tuesday, well done, victory on Wednesday, well done, day by day, you can hear that voice, and that's what we need, that's going to get us through, between now and whenever he comes back, whenever that sky splits. I use those graphic examples of those actual war situations, but don't think of it only that that's the only place it needs to be done. No, it's right here in Eugene, Oregon. And wherever you came from, we need to make it real and relevant. If we don't, then who is? God bless you. Thank you for your attention. Appreciate it.